Section 2 of The Firm of Nusingen by Honoré Balzac Translated by James Waring This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 2 To such inquiry, any ordinary young man, and we ourselves that are not ordinary men, would reply that the happiness is incomplete, that it is like the Madeleine, without the altar, that a man must love and be loved, or love without return, or be loved without loving, or love at cross-purposes. Now for happiness as a mental condition. In January 1823, after Godefroy de Baudenord had set foot in the various social circles which it pleased him to enter, and knew his way about in them, and felt himself secure amid these joys he saw the necessity of a sunshade the advantage of having a great lady to complain of instead of chewing the stems of roses bought for five pence apiece of madame prevost after the manner of the callow youngsters that chirp and cackle in the lobbies of the opera like chickens in a coop in short he resolved to centre his ideas, his sentiments, his affections upon a woman. One woman? La femme. Ah! At first he conceived the preposterous notion of an unhappy passion, and gyrated for a while about his fair cousin, Madame d'Aiglemont, not perceiving that she had already danced the waltz in Faust with a diplomatist. The year twenty-five went by, spent in tentatives, in futile flirtations, and an unsuccessful quest. The loving object of which he was in search did not appear. Passion is extremely rare, and in our time as many barriers have been raised against passion in social life as barricades in the streets. In truth, my brothers, the improper is gaining upon us, I tell you as we may incur reproach for the following on the heels of portrait painters auctioneers and fashionable dressmakers i will not inflict any description upon you of her in whom godefroy recognized the female of his species age nineteen height four feet eleven inches fair hair eyebrows idem blue eyes forehead neither high nor low curved nose little mouth short turned-up chin oval face distinguishing signs none such was the description on the passport of the beloved object you will not ask more than the police or their worships the mayors of all the towns and communes of france the gendarmes and the rest of the powers that be in other respects i give you my word for it she was a rough sketch of a venus de medici the first time that godefroy went to one of the balls for which madame de nucingen enjoyed a certain not undeserved reputation he caught a glimpse of his future lady-love in a quadrille and was set marvelling by that height of four feet eleven inches the fair hair rippled in a shower of curls about the little girlish head she looked as fresh as a naiad peeping out through the crystal pane of her stream to take a look at the spring flowers this is quite in the modern style strings of phrases as endless as the macaroni on the table a while ago on that eyebrows idem no offence to the prefect of police parney that writer of light and playful verse would have hung half a dozen couplets comparing them very agreeably to cupid's bow at the same time bidding us to observe that the dart was beneath the said dart however was neither very potent nor very penetrating for as yet it was controlled by the namby-pamby sweetness of a mademoiselle de la valliere as depicted on fire-screens at the moment when she solemnizes her betrothal in the sight of heaven any solemnization before the registrar being quite out to the question you know the effect of fair hair and blue eyes in the soft voluptuous decorous dance such a girl does not knock audaciously at your heart like the dark-haired 
damsels that seem to say after the fashion of spanish beggars your money or your life give me five francs or take my contempt these insolent and somewhat dangerous beauties may find favour in the sight of many men but to my thinking the blonde that has the good fortune to look extremely tender and yielding while foregoing none of her rights to scold to tease to use unmeasured language to be jealous without grounds to do anything in short that makes woman adorable the fair-haired girl i say will always be more sure to marry than the ardent brunette firewood is dear you see isure white as an alsacienne she first saw the light at strasbourg and spoke german with a slight and very agreeable french accent danced to admiration her feet omitted on the passport though they really might have found a place there under the heading distinguishing signs were remarkable for their small size and for that particular something which old-fashioned dancing masters used to call flick-flack a something that put you in mind of mademoiselle mars's agreeable delivery for all the muses are sisters and the dancer and poet alike have their feet upon the earth isaure's feet spoke lightly and swiftly with a clearness and precision that augured well for things of the heart elle a duc flic-flac was old marcel's highest word of praise and old marcel was the dancing-master that deserved the epithet of the great people used to say the great marcel as they said frederick the great and in frederick's time did marcel compose any ballets inquired fino yes something in the style of les quatre éléments and l'europe galante what times they were when great nobles dressed the dancers said fino improper said bixiou isaure did not raise herself on the tips of her toes she stayed on the ground she swayed in the dance without jerks and neither more nor less voluptuously than a young lady ought to do there was a profound philosophy in marcel's remark that every age and condition had its dance a married woman should not dance like a young girl nor a little jackanapes like a capitalist nor a soldier like a page he even went so far as to say that the infantry ought not to dance like the cavalry and from this point he proceeded to classify the world at large all these fine distinctions seem very far away ah said blondet you have set your finger on a great calamity if marcel had been properly understood there would have been no french revolution it had been godefroy's privilege to run over europe resumed bixiou nor had he neglected his opportunities of making a thorough comparative study of european dancing perhaps but for profound diligence in the pursuit of what is usually held to be useless knowledge he would never have fallen in love with this young lady as it was out of the three hundred guests that crowded the handsome rooms in the rue saint lazare he alone comprehended the unpublished romance revealed by a garrulous quadrille people certainly noticed isaure d'altrigues dancing but in this present century the cry is skim lightly over the surface do not lean your weight on it so one said he was a notary's clerk there is a girl that dances uncommonly well another a lady in a turban there is a young lady that dances enchantingly and a third a woman of thirty that little thing is not dancing badly but to return to the great marcel let us parody his best-known saying with how much there is in an avant deux and let us get on a little faster said de blondet you are maundering isaure continued bixiou looking askance at blondet wore a simple white crepe dress with green ribbons she had a camellia in her hair a camellia at her waist 
another camellia at her skirt hem and a camellia come now here comes sancho's three hundred goats therein lies all literature dear boy clarissa is a masterpiece there are fourteen volumes of her and the most wooden-headed playwright would give you the whole of clarissa in a single act so long as i amuse you what have you to complain of that costume was positively lovely don't you like camellias would you rather have dahlias no very good chestnuts then here's for you and probably bixiou flung a chestnut across the table for we heard something drop on a plate i was wrong i acknowledge it go on said blondet i resume pretty enough to marry isn't she said rastignac coming up to godefroy de beaudenord and indicating the little one with the spotless white camellias every petal intact rastignac being an intimate friend godefroy answered in a low voice well so i was thinking i was saying to myself that instead of enjoying my happiness with fear and trembling at every moment instead of taking a world of trouble to whisper a word in an inattentive ear of looking over the house at the italiens to see if some one wears a red flower or a white in her hair or watching along the corso for a gloved hand on a carriage door as we used to do at milan instead of snatching a mouthful of baba like a lackey finishing off a bottle behind a door or wearing out one's wits with giving and receiving letters like a postman letters that consist not of a mere couple of tender lines but expand to five folio volumes to-day and contract to a couple of sheets to-morrow a tiresome practice instead of dragging along over the ruts and dodging behind hedges it would be better to give way to the adorable passion that jean-jacques rousseau envied to fall frankly in love with a girl like isaure with a view to making her my wife if upon exchange of sentiments our hearts respond to each other to be worth her in short with a happy ending which is a common weakness returned rastignac without laughing possibly in your place i might plunge into the unspeakable delights of that ascetic course it possesses the merits of novelty and originality and it is not very expensive your mona lisa is sweet but inane as music for the ballet i give you warning brastignac made his last remark in a way which set beaudenord thinking that his friend had his own motives for disenchanting him beaudenord had not been a diplomatist for nothing he fancied that rastignac wanted to cut him out if a man mistakes his vocation the false start none the less influences him for the rest of his life godefroy was so evidently smitten with mademoiselle isaure d'alriguet that that rastignac went off to a tall girl chatting in the card-room malvina he said lowering his voice your sister has just netted a fish worth eighteen thousand francs a year he has a name a manner and a certain position in the world keep an eye on them be careful to gain isaure's confidence and if they philander do not let her send word to him unless you have seen it first towards two o'clock in the morning isaure was standing beside a diminutive shepherdess of the alps a little woman of forty coquettish as zerlina a footman announced that madame le baron's carriage stops the way and godefroy forthwith saw his beautiful maiden out of a german song draw her fantastical mother into the cloak-room whither malvina followed them and boy that he was he must needs go to discover into what pot of preserves the infant joby had fallen and had the pleasure of watching isaure and malvina coaxing that sparkling person their mamma into her pelisse with all the little tender precautions required for a night journey in paris of course the girls on their side watched beaudenord out of the corners of their eyes as well-taught kittens watch a mouse without seeming to see it at all 
with a certain satisfaction beaudenord noted the bearing manner and appearance of the tall well-gloved alsacienne servant in livery who brought three pairs of fur-lined overshoes for his mistresses never were two sisters more unlike than isore and malvina malvina the elder was tall and dark-haired isore was short and fair and her features were finely and delicately cut while her sisters were vigorous and striking isore was one of those women who reign like queens through their weakness such a woman as a schoolboy would feel it incumbent upon him to protect malvina was an andalus of musset's poem as the sisters stood together isore looked like a miniature beside a portrait in oils she is rich exclaimed godefroid going back to rastignac in the ballroom who that young lady oh isor d'alriguet why yes the mother is a widow nucingen was once a clerk in her husband's bank at strasbourg do you want to see them again just turn off a compliment for madame de rostaud she is giving a ball the day after to-morrow the baroness d'alriguet and her two daughters will be there you will have an invitation for three days godefroid beheld isore in the camera obscura of his brain his isore with her white camellias and the little ways she had with her head saw her as you see the bright thing on which you have been gazing after your eyes are shut a picture grown somewhat smaller a radiant brightly colored vision flashing out of a vortex of darkness bixiou you are dropping into phenomena block us out our pictures put in couture here you are gentlemen here is the picture you ordered from the tones of bixiou's voice he evidently was posing as a waiter finot attention one has to pull at your mouth as a jarvie pulls at his jade in madame theodora marguerite wilhelm adolphus of the firm of adolphus and company mannheim relict of the late baron d'alriguet you might expect to find a stout comfortable german compact and prudent with a fair complexion mellowed to the tint of the foam on a pot of beer and as to virtues rich in all the patriarchal good qualities that germany possesses in romances that is to say well there was not a grey hair in the frisky ringlets that she wore on either side of her face she was still as fresh and as brightly coloured as the cheekbone on a nuremberg doll her eyes were lively and bright a closely fitting bodice set off the slenderness of her waist her brow and temples were furrowed by a few involuntary wrinkles which like ninon she would fain have banished from her conspicuous place but they persisted in tracing their zigzags in the more conspicuous place the outlines of the nose had somewhat fallen away and the tip had reddened and this was the more awkward because it matched the colour on the cheekbones an only daughter and an heiress spoilt by her father and mother spoilt by her husband and the city of strasbourg spoilt still by two daughters who worshipped their mother the baroness d'alriguet indulged a taste for rose-colour short petticoats and a knot of ribbon at the point of the tightly fitting corslet bodice any parisienne meeting the baroness on the boulevard would smile and condemn her outright he does not admit any plea of extenuating circumstances like a modern jury on a case of fratricide a scoffer is always superficial and in consequence cruel the rascal never thinks of throwing the proper share of ridicule on society that made the individual what he is for nature only makes dull animals of us we owe the fool to artificial conditions the thing that i admire about bixiou is his completeness said blondet whenever he is not jibing at others he is laughing at himself i will be even with you for that blondet returned bixiou in a significant tone if the little baroness was giddy careless selfish and incapable in practical matters she was not accountable for her sins the responsibility is divided between the firm of adolphus and company of mannheim and baron d'alriguet with his blind love for his wife the baroness was as gentle as a lamb 
she had a soft heart that was very readily moved unluckily the emotion never lasted long but it was all the more frequently renewed when the baron died for instance the shepherdess all but followed him to the tomb so violent and sincere was her grief but next morning there was green peas at lunch she was fond of green peas the delicious green peas calmed the crisis her daughters and her servants loved her so blindly that the whole household rejoiced over a circumstance that enabled them to hide the dolorous spectacle of the funeral from the sorrowing baroness isor and malvina would not allow their idolized mother to see their tears while the requiem was chanted they diverted their thoughts to the choice of mourning dresses while the coffin was placed in the huge black-and-white wax-besprinkled catafalque that does duty for some three thousand dead in the course of its career so i was informed by a philosophically-minded mute whom i once consulted on a point over a couple of glasses of petit blanc while an indifferent priest mumbling the office for the dead do you know what the friends of the departed were saying as all dressed in black from head to foot they sat or stood in the church here is the picture you ordered stay do you see them how much do you suppose old d'alriguet will leave de rochez asked of tolifay you remember tolifay that gave us the finest orgy ever known not long before he died he was in treaty for practice in eighteen twenty two said couture it was a bold thing to do for he was the son of a poor clerk who never made more than eighteen hundred francs a year and his mother sold stamped paper but he worked very hard from eighteen eighteen to eighteen twenty two he was deville's fourth clerk when he came and in eighteen nineteen he was second desrochers yes desrochers like the rest of us once grovelled in the poverty of job he grew so tired of wearing coats too tight and sleeves too short for him that he swallowed down the law in desperation and had just bought a bare license he was a licensed attorney without a penny or a client or any friends beyond our set and he was bound to pay interest on the purchase money and the cautionary deposit besides he used to make me feel as if i had met a tiger escaped from the jardin des plantes said couture he was lean and red-haired his eyes were the colour of spanish snuff and his complexion was harsh he looked cold and phlegmatic he was hard upon the widow pitiless to the orphan and a terror to his clerks they were not allowed to waste a minute learned crafty double-faced honey-tongued never flying into a passion rancorous in his judicial way but there is goodness in him cried finot he is devoted to his friends the first thing he did was to make godeschal mariette's brother as his head clerk at paris said blondet there are attorneys of two shades there is the honest man attorney he abides within the province of the law pushes on his cases neglects no one never runs after business gives his clients his honest opinion and makes them compromise on doubtful points he is a derville in short then there is the starveling attorney to whom anything seems good provided that he is sure of expenses he will set not mountains fighting for he sells them but planets he will look to make the worse appear the better cause and take advantage of a technical error to win the day for a rogue if one of these fellows tries one of the maitre gonin's tricks once too often the guild forces him to sell his connection durocher our friend durocher understood the full resources of a trade carried on in a beggarly way enough by poor devils he would buy up causes of men who feared to lose the day he plunged into chicanery with a fixed determination to make money by it he was right he did his business very honestly he found influence among men in public life by getting them out of awkward complications there was our dear 
les loupoles for instance whose position was so deeply compromised and desroches stood in need of influence for when he began he was anything but well looked on at the court and he who took so much trouble to rectify the errors of his clients was often in trouble himself see now bixiou to go back to the subject how came de Rochers to be in the church dalriguet is leaving seven or eight hundred thousand francs Talafay answered addressing de Rochers, oh pooh there is only one man who knows how much they are worth put in were bruced a friend of the deceased who that fat rogue nucingen he will go as far as the cemetery dalriguet was his master once and out of gratitude he put the old man's capital into his business the widow will soon feel a great difference what do you mean well dalriguet was so fond of his wife now don't laugh people are looking at us look here comes du tillet he is very late the epistle is just beginning he will marry the eldest girl in all probability is it possible asked Durachaise, why he is tied more than ever to madame ragouin tied he you do not know him do you know how nucingen and du tillet stand asked Durachaise. like this said taliffet nucingen is just the man to swallow down his old master's capital and then to disgorge it cough cough coughed werbrust these churches are confoundedly damp ugh ugh what do you mean by disgorge it well nucingen knows that du tillet has a lot of money he wants to marry him to malvina but du tillet is shy of nucingen to a looker-on the game is good fun what exclaimed werbrust is she old enough to marry how quickly we grow old malvina dalriguet is quite twenty years old my dear fellow old dalriguet was married in eighteen hundred he gave some rather fine entertainments in strasbourg at the time of his wedding and afterwards when malvina was born that was in eighteen o one at the peace of amiens and here are we in the year eighteen twenty three daddy Werbrust in those days everything was oceanized he called his daughter malvina six years afterwards there was a rage of chivalry partant pour la syrie a pack of nonsense and he christened his second daughter isor she is seventeen so there are two daughters to marry the women will not have a penny left in ten years time said Werbrust speaking to desroches in a confidential tone there is dalriguet's manservant the old fellow bellowing away at the back of the church he has been with them since the two young ladies were children and he is capable of anything to keep enough together for them to live upon said taliffet dies from the minor canons dies la from the choristers good day werbrust from taliffet the diazire puts me too much in mind of my poor boy i shall go too it is too damp in here said werbrust in favilla a few halfpence kind gentlemen from the beggars at the door for the expenses of the church from the beadle with a, a rattling clatter of the money-box amen from the choristers what did he die of from a friend he broke a blood vessel in his heel from an inquisitive nag who is dead from a passer-by the president de montesquieu from a relative the sacristan to the poor get away all of you the money for you has been given to us don't ask for any more done to the life cried couture and indeed it seemed to us that we heard all that went on in the church bixiou imitated everything even the shuffling sound of the feet of the men that carried the coffin over the stone floor there are poets and romancers and writers that say many fine things about parisian manners continued bixiou but that is what really happens at a funeral 
ninety-nine out of a hundred that come to pay their respects to some poor devil departed get together and talk business or pleasure in the middle of the church to see some poor little touch of real sorrow you need an impossible combination of circumstances and after all is there such a thing as grief without a thought of self in it ugh said blondet nothing is less respected than death is it that there is nothing less respectable it is so common resumed bixiou when the service was over nucingen and du tillet went to the graveside the old man-servant walked nucingen and du tillet were put at the head of the procession of mourning coaches good mein good friend said nucingen as they turned into the boulevard it is a good time to marry melfina you will be de protector of dat poor family vat is in tears you will have un family a home of your own you will have a house ready furnished ut malfina is truly ein treasure i seem to hear that old robert macaire of nucingen himself said fino a charming girl said ferdinand du tillet in a cool unenthusiastic tone bixiou continued just to lay himself summed up in a word cried couture those that do not know her think her plain pursued du tillet but she has character i admit what ein hers dat is the best of de business mind de boy she would make you an intelligent und devoted wife in our beastly business nobody cares to know who lives or dies it is a great blessing if a man can put trust in his wife's heart mein telvin brought me more as a million as you know but i should gladly give her for malfina dot half not so big a dot but how much has she i do not know precisely but she half soundings yes she has a mother with a great liking for rose-colour said du tillet and with that epigram he cut nucingen's diplomatic efforts short after dinner the baron de nucingen informed wilhelmine adolphus that she had barely four hundred thousand francs deposited with him the daughter of adolphus of mannheim thus reduced to an income of twenty-four thousand livres lost herself in arithmetical exercises that muddled her wits i have always had six thousand francs for our dress allowance she said to malvina why how did your father find money we shall have nothing now for twenty-four thousand francs it is destitution oh if my father could see me so come down in the world it would kill him if he were not dead already poor wilhelmine and she began to cry malvina puzzled to know how to comfort her mother represented to her that she was still young and pretty that rose colour still became her that she could continue to go to the opera and the bouffons where madame de nucingen had a box and so with visions of gaieties dances music pretty dresses and social success the baroness was lulled to sleep and pleasant dreams in the blue silk curtained bed in the charming room next to the chamber where jean baptiste baron del riguet had breathed his last but two nights ago here in a few words is the baron's history during his lifetime that worthy alsatian accumulated about three million of francs in eighteen hundred at the age of thirty-six in the apogee of a fortune made during the revolution he made a marriage partly of ambition partly of inclination with the heiress of the family of adolphus of mannheim wilhelmine being the idol of her whole family naturally inherited their wealth after some ten years next dalriguet's fortune being doubled he was transformed into a baron by his majesty emperor and king and forthwith became a fanatical admirer of the great man to whom he owed his title 
wherefore between eighteen fourteen and eighteen fifteen he ruined himself by a too serious belief in the son of austerlitz honest alsatian as he was he did not suspend payment nor did he give his creditors shares in doubtful concerns by way of settlement he paid everything over the counter and retired from business thoroughly deserving nucingen's comment on his behaviour honest but stupid all claims satisfied there remained to him five hundred thousand francs and certain receipts for sums advanced to that imperial government which had ceased to exist see what comes of too much belief in napoleon said he when he had realized all his capital when you have been one of the leading men in a place how are you to remain in it when your estate has dwindled dalriguet like all ruined provincials removed to paris there intrepidly wore the tricolor braces embroidered with imperial eagles and lived entirely in bonapartist circles his capital he handed over to nucingen who gave him eight per cent upon it and took over the loans to the imperial government at a mere sixty per cent of the reduction wherefore dalriguet squeezed nucingen's hand and said i knew dat in you i should find de heart of an alsatian nucingen was paid in full through our friend de lupole well fleeced as dalriguet had been he still possessed an income of forty-four thousand francs but his mortification was further complicated by the spleen which lies in wait for the business man so soon as he retires from business he set himself noble heart to sacrifice himself to his wife now that her fortune was lost that fortune of which she had allowed herself to be despoiled so easily after the manner of a girl entirely ignorant of money matters madame d'alriguet accordingly missed not a single pleasure to which she had been accustomed any void caused by the loss of strasbourg acquaintances were speedily filled and more than filled with paris gaieties even then as now the nucingens lived at the higher end of financial society and the baron de nucingen made it a point of honour to treat the honest banker well his disinterested virtue looked well in the nucingen salon every winter dipped into dalriguet's principal but he did not venture to remonstrate with his pearl of a wilhelmine his was the most ingenious unintelligent tenderness in the world a good man but a stupid one what will become of them when i am gone he said as he lay dying and when he was left alone for a moment with worth his old manservant he struggled for breath to bid him take care of his mistress and her two daughters as if the one reasonable thing in the house was this alsatian caleb balderstone three years afterwards in eighteen twenty six isaure was twenty years old and malvina still unmarried malvina had gone into society and in course of time discovered for herself how superficial their friendships were how accurately every one was weighed and appraised like most girls that have been well brought up as we say malvina had no idea of the mechanism of life of the importance of money of the difficulty of obtaining it of the prices of things and so for six years every lesson that she had learned had been a painful one for her dalriguet's four hundred thousand francs were carried to the credit of the baroness's account with the firm of nucingen she was her husband's creditor for twelve hundred thousand francs under her marriage settlement and when in any difficulty the shepherdess of the alps dipped into her capital as though it were inexhaustible when our pigeon first advanced towards his dove nucingen knowing the baroness's character must have spoken plainly to malvina on the financial position at that time three hundred thousand francs were left the income of twenty four thousand francs was reduced to eighteen thousand worth had kept up this state of things for three years 
after that confidential interview malvina put down the carriage sold the horses and dismissed the coachman without her mother's knowledge the furniture now ten years old could not be renewed but it all faded together and for those that like harmony the effect was not half bad the baroness herself that so well preserved flower began to look like the last solitary frost touched rose on a november bush i myself watched the slow decline of luxury by half-tones and semitones frightful upon my honour it was my last trouble of the kind afterwards i said to myself it is silly to care so much about other people but while i was in civil service i was fool enough to take a personal interest in the houses where i dined i used to stand up for them i would say no ill of them myself i oh i was a child well when the ci devant pearl's daughter put the state of the case before her oh my poor children cried she who will make my dresses now i cannot afford new bonnets i cannot see visitors here nor go out now by what token do you know that a man is in love said bixiou interrupting himself the question is whether beaudenord was genuinely in love with a fair-haired girl he neglects his interests said couture he changes his shirt three times a day opined blondet a man of more than ordinary ability can he and ought he to fall in love my friends resumed bixiou with a sentimental air there is a kind of man who when he feels that he is in peril of falling in love will snap his fingers or fling away his cigar as the case may be with a pooh there are other women in the world beware of that man for a dangerous reptile still the government may employ that citizen somewhere in the foreign office blondet i call your attention to the fact that this godefroy had thrown up diplomacy well he was absorbed said blondet love gives the fool his one chance of growing great blondet blondet how is it that we are so poor cried bixiou and why is finot so rich returned blondet i will tell you how it is there my son we understand each other come there is finot filling up my glass as if i had carried in his firewood at the end of dinner one ought to sip one's wine slowly well thou hast said the absorbed godefroy became fully acquainted with the family the tall malvina the frivolous baroness and the little lady of the dance he became a servant after the most conscientiousness and restricted fashion he was not scared away by the cadaverous remains of opulence not he by degrees he became accustomed to the threadbare condition of things it never struck the young man that the green silk damask and white ornaments in the drawing-room needed refurnishing the curtains the tea-table the knick-knacks on the chimney-piece the rococo chandelier the eastern carpet with the pile worn down to the thread the pianoforte the little flowered china cups the fringed serviettes so full of holes that they looked like open-work in the spanish fashion the green sitting-room with the baroness's blue bedroom beyond it it was all sacred all dear to him it is only your stupid woman with the brilliant beauty that throws heart brain and soul into the shade who can inspire forgetfulness like this a clever woman never abuses her advantages she must be small-natured and silly to gain such a hold upon a man beaudenord actually loved the solemn old worth he has told me so himself that old rogue regarded his future master with the awe which a good catholic feels for the eucharist honest worth was a kind of gaspard a beer-drinking german sheathing his cunning in good nature much as a cardinal in the middle ages kept his dagger up his sleeve worth saw a husband for his awe and accordingly proceeded to surround godefroy with the mazy circumlocutions of his alsatian's 
geniality, that most adhesive of all known varieties of buried lime. Madame d'Alriguet was radically improper. She thought love the most natural thing imaginable. When Isaure and Malvina went out together to the Champs-Élysées or the Tuileries, where they were sure to meet the young men of their set, she would simply say, A pleasant time to you, dear girls. Their friends among men, the only persons who might have slandered the sisters, championed them. For the extraordinary liberty permitted in the Dalrigueur's salon made it unique in Paris. Vast wealth could scarcely have procured such evenings. The talk was good on any subject. Dress was not insisted upon. You felt so much at home there that you could ask for supper. The sisters corresponded as they pleased, and quietly read their letters by their mother's side. It never occurred to the baroness to interfere in any way. The adorable woman gave the girls the full benefit of her selfishness, and in a certain sense selfish persons are the easiest to live with. They hate trouble, and therefore do not trouble other people. They never beset the lives of their fellow-creatures with thorny advice and captious fault-finding, nor do they torment you with the waspish solicitude of excessive affection that must know all things and rule all things. "'This comes home,' said de Blondet, "'but, my dear fellow, this is not telling a story. This is Blake Blondet. If you are not tipsy, I should really feel hurt.' he is the one serious literary character among us for his benefit i honour you by treating you like men of taste i am distilling my tale for you and now he criticises me there is no greater proof of intellectual sterility my friends than the piling up of facts the misanthrope that supreme comedy shows us that art consists in the power of building a palace on a needle's point the gist of my idea is in the fairy wand which can turn the desert into an interlocking in ten seconds precisely the time required to empty this glass would you rather that i fired off at you like a cannon-ball or a commander-in-chief report we chat and laugh and this journalist a bibliophobe when sober expects me forsooth when he is drunk to teach my tongue to move at the full jog-trot of a printed book here he affected to weep woe unto the french imagination when men fain would blunt the needle-points of her pleasant humour dies irae let us weep for candide long live the critique of poor reason la symbolique and the systems in five closely packed volumes printed by germans who little suspect that the gist of the matter has been known in paris since seventeen fifty and crystallized in a few trenchant words the diamonds of our national thought blondet is driving a hearse to his own suicide blondet forsooth who manufactures newspaper accounts of the last words of all the great men that die without saying anything come get on put in finot it was my intention to explain to you what the happiness of a man consists when he is not a shareholder out of compliment to couture well now do you not see at what price godefroy secured the greatest happiness of a young man's dreams he was trying to understand isaure by way of making sure that she should understand him things which comprehend one another must needs be similar infinity and nothingness for instance are alike everything that lies between the two is like neither nothingness is stupidity genius infinity the lovers wrote each other the stupidest letters imaginable putting down various expressions then in fashion upon bits of scented paper angel aeolian harp with thee i shall be complete there is a heart in my man's breast weak woman poor me all the latest heart frippery it was godefroy's wont to stay in a drawing-room for a bare ten minutes he talked without any pretension to the women in it and at these times they thought him very clever in short judge of his absorption 
joby his horses and carriages became secondary interests in his life he was never happy except in the depths of a snug settee opposite the baroness by the dark green porphyry chimney-piece watching isor taking tea and chatting with the little circle of friends that dropped in every evening between eleven and twelve in the rue joubert you could play bouliot there safely i always won isor sat with one little foot thrust out in its black satin shoe godefroid would gaze and gaze and stay till every one else was gone and say give me your shoe and isor would put her little foot on a chair and take it off and give it to him with a glance one of those glances that in short you understand at length godefroid discovered a great mystery in malvina whenever du tillet knocked at the door the live red that coloured malvina's face said ferdinand when the poor girl's eyes fell on that two-footed tiger they lighted up like a brazier fanned by a current of air when ferdinand drew her away to the window or a side-table she betrayed her secret infinite joy it is a rare and wonderful thing to see a woman so much in love that she loses her cunning to be strange and you can read her heart as rare dear me in paris as the singing flower in the indies but in spite of a friendship dating from the dargy day's first appearance at the nucingens ferdinand did not marry malvina our ferocious friend was not apparently jealous of desroches who paid assiduous court to the young lady desroches wanted to pay off the rest of the purchase money due for his connection malvina could not well have less than fifty thousand crowns he thought and so the lawyer was fain to play the lover malvina deeply humiliated as she was by du tillet's carelessness loved him too well to shut the door upon him with her an enthusiastic highly wrought sensitive girl love sometimes got the better of pride and pride again overcame wounded love our friend ferdinand cool and self-possessed accepted her tenderness and breathed the atmosphere with the quiet enjoyment of a tiger licking the blood that dyes his throat he would come to make sure of it with new proofs he never allowed two days to pass without a visit to the rue joubert at that time the rascal possessed something like eighteen hundred thousand francs money must have waited very little with him in the question of marriage and he had not merely been proof against malvina he had restricted the barons de nucingen and de rastignac though both of them had set him galloping at the rate of seventy-five leagues a day with outriders regardless of expense through mazes of their cunning devices and with never a clue of thread godefroid could not refrain from saying a word to his future sister-in-law as to her ridiculous position between a banker and an attorney you need to read me a lecture on the subject of ferdinand she said frankly to know the secrets between us dear godefroid never mention this again ferdinand's birth antecedents and fortune count for nothing in this so you may think it is something extraordinary a few days afterwards however malvina took godefroid apart to say i do not think that desroches is sincere such is the instinct of love he would like to marry me and he is paying court to some tradesman's daughter as well i should very much like to know whether i am second shift and whether marriage is a matter of money with him the fact was that desroches deep as he was could not make out du tillet and was afraid that he might marry malvina so the fellow had secured his retreat his position was intolerable he was scarcely paying his expenses and interest on the debt women understand nothing of these things for them love is always a millionaire but since neither du tillet nor desroches married her just explain ferdinand's motive said finot motive repeated bixiou why this general rule a girl that has once given away her slipper 
even if she refused it for ten years, is never married by the man who... Bosh! interrupted Blondet. One reason for loving is the fact that one has loved. His motive? Here it is. General rule. Do not marry as a sergeant, when some day you may be Duke of Danzig and Marshal of France. Now, see what a match du Delay has made since then. He married one of the Comte de Granville's daughters into one of the oldest families in the french magistracy de rocher's mother had a friend a druggist's wife continued bixiou said druggist had retired with a fat fortune these druggist folk have absurdly crude notions by way of giving his daughter a good education he had sent her to a boarding school well matifat made the girl to marry well on the strength of two hundred thousand francs good hard coin with no scent of drugs about it florine's matifat asked blondet well yes lousteau's matifat ours in fact the matifats even then lost to us had gone to live in the rue du cherche midi as far as may be from the rue des lombards where their money was made for my own part i had cultivated those matifats while i served my time in the galleys of the law when i was cooped up for eight hours out of the twenty-four with nincompoops of the first water i saw queer characters enough to convince myself that all is not dead level even in obscure places and that in the flattest inanity you may chance upon an angle yes dear boy such and such a philistine is to such another as raphael is to natois madame de rocher the widowed mother had long ago planned this marriage for her son in spite of a tremendous obstacle which took the shape of one coquin matifat's partner's son a young clerk in the adult department monsieur and madame matifat were of the opinion that an attorney's position gave some guarantee for a wife's happiness to use their own expression and as for de rocher he was prepared to fall in with his mother's view in case he could do no better for himself wherefore he kept up his acquaintance with the druggists in the rue du cherche midi to put another kind of happiness before you you should have a description of these shopkeepers male and female they rejoiced in the possession of a handsome ground floor and a strip of garden for amusement they watched a little squirt of water no bigger than a cornstalk perpetually rising and falling upon a small round freestone slab in the middle of a basin some six feet across they would rise early of a morning to see if the plants in the garden had grown in the night they had nothing to do they were restless they dressed for the sake of dressing bored themselves at the theatre and were forever going to and fro between paris and lusarches where they had a country house i have dined there once they tried to quiz me blondet i told them a long-winded story that lasted from nine o'clock till midnight one tale inside another i had just brought my twenty-ninth personages upon the scene the newspapers have plagiarized with their continued in our next when old matifat who as host still held out snored like the rest after blinking for five minutes next day they all complimented me upon the ending of my tale these tradespeople's society consisted of monsieur and madame coquin madame de rocher and a young popinot still in the drug business who used to bring them news of the rue des lombards you know him finot madame matifat loved the arts she bought lithographs chromo lithographs and coloured prints all the cheapest things she could lay her hands on the sieur matifat amused himself by looking into new business speculations investing a little capital now and again for the sake of the excitement florine had cured him of his taste for the regency style of thing 
one saying of his will give you some idea of the depths of my matifat art thou going to bed my nieces he used to say when he wished them good-night because as he explained he was afraid of hurting their feelings with the more formal you the daughter was a girl with no manner at all she looked rather like a superior sort of housemaid she could get through a sonata she wrote a pretty english hand new french grammar and orthography a complete commercial education in short she was important enough to be married and leave the paternal roof finding it as dull at home as a lieutenant finds the night watch at sea at the same time it should be said that her watch lasted through the whole twenty-four hours durocher or coquin junior a notary or a life-guardsman or a sham english lord any husband would have suited her as she so obviously knew nothing of life i took pity upon her i determined to reveal the great secret of it but pooh the matifats shut their doors on me the bourgeois and i shall never understand each other she married general gouraud said finot in forty-eight hours godefroy de beaudenord late of the diplomatic corps saw through the matifats and their nefarious designs resumed bixiou rastignac happened to be chatting with the frivolous baroness when godefroy came in to give his report to malvina a word here and there reached his ear he guessed the matter on foot more particularly from malvina's look of satisfaction that it was as she had suspected then rastignac actually stopped on till two o'clock in the morning and yet there are those that call him selfish beaudenord took his departure when the baroness went to bed as soon as rastignac was left alone with malvina he spoke in a fatherly good-humoured fashion dear child please to bear in mind that a poor fellow heavy with sleep has been drinking tea to keep himself awake till two o'clock in the morning all for a chance of saying a solemn word of advice to you marry do not be too particular do not brood over your feelings never mind the sordid schemes of men that have one foot here and another in the matifat's house do not stop to think at all marry when a girl marries it means that the man whom she marries undertakes to maintain her in a more or less good position in life and at any rate her comfort is assured i know the world girls mamas and grandmamas are all of them hypocrites when they fly off into sentiment over a question of marriage nobody really thinks of anything but a good position if a mother marries her daughter well she says that she has made an excellent bargain here rastignac unfolded his theory of marriage which to his way of thinking is a business arrangement with a view to making life tolerable and ended up with i do not ask to know your secret malvina i know it already men talk things over among themselves just as you women talk after you leave the dinner-table this is all i have to say marry if you do not remember that i begged you to marry here in this room this evening there was a certain ring in rastignac's voice which compelled not attention but reflection there was something startling in his insistence something that went as rastignac meant that it should to the quick of malvina's intelligence she thought over the council again next day and vainly asked herself why it had been given couture broke in in all these tops that you have set spinning i see nothing at all like the beginnings of rastignac's fortune said he you apparently take us for matifats multiplied by half a dozen bottles of champagne we are just coming to it returned bixiou you have followed the course of all the rivulets that make up that forty thousand livres a year which so many people envy by this time rastignac held the threads of all these lives in his hand de roches the matifats bourdenord 
the Dalrigues, d'Aglemont, yes, and a hundred others, assented Bixiou. Oh, come now, how? cried Finot. I know a few things, but I cannot see a glimpse of an answer to this riddle. Blondet had roughly given you the account of Nucingen's first two suspensions of payment, now for the third with full details. After the peace of 1815, Nucingen grasped an idea which some of us only fully understood later, to wit, that capital is a power only when you are very much richer than other people. In his own mind, he was jealous of the Rothschilds, he had five millions of francs. He wanted ten. He knew a way to make thirty millions with ten, while with five he could only make fifteen. So he made up his mind to operate a third suspension of payment. About that time the great man hit on the idea of indemnifying his creditors with paper of purely fictitious value and keeping their coin on the market a great idea of this sort is not expressed in precisely this cut-and-dried way. Such an arrangement consists in giving a lot of grown-up children a small pie in exchange for a gold piece, and, like children of a smaller growth, they prefer the pie to the gold piece, not suspecting that they might have a couple of hundred pies for it. End of section 2